Multiverse of Q, your guide to the comic book multiverse. Now in podcast form. I'm Luke. And I'm Bree. And we're Multiversal Q. After the Civil War that happened over Justice Riders last week, Devin and I, if you forgot, are recording separate episodes this week as we try and prove who is better at this podcasting game. Of course, I'll be the one who's editing his episodes, so ha 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 ha. Ah, nice, nice, nice. Just like sound periodically dumps out. It's like, I did my best, obviously. I would only do this with perfect ethics. I I was thinking of doing just like random fart sound effects, but like putting in sound effects and like finding the right ones, that's a lot of work. Yeah, just maybe the sound of random trucks in the background. It's like, I don't know. It's like he... Think you recorded on the side of a highway? I don't know. We must be taking the split pretty rough. Um, well, I'm actually recording on the side of a highway, <laughs> so there are random truck sound effects. Yeah. Uh, I had wanted a better apartment for recording in, and it only sort of is. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but this week we are covering JLA Classified 8 through 9. And this had actually been suggested, like, a while back. Because someone was mad at you? Well, in, like, the first week, because it's like, oh, they they were trying to come up with, like, an alternate universe. And it's like, oh, okay. Because, I mean, this was a Giffen and, Demet- yeah, Giffen and Demetrius, and they have, like, a reputation. Like, mm-hmm. the series that preceded this won the Eisner Award for Comedy. But that really? said, yeah, yeah. That's but like that's shocking. yeah. That <laughs> said, though, it's like this was devoid of humor, or like all the attempts for it fell flat. Well, that's yeah. It kept trying. Like I, it was one of those things where it's like everything about how you've structured this, I can tell that these are supposed to be the jokes, and mm-hmm. they aren't. Dudes, I, good. I, it has all the time, all the layout of a joke, but it's not actually anything. I just kept thinking back to like how it's Arrested Development, but they have no concept of timing. Mm-hmm. It's like that, where it's a lot of self-referential humor. It's sort of patter back and forth. I guess that's a bit less of Arrested Development. But yeah, and like none of the stuff works. Well, and like, and I'll. Be more specific when we actually get to it, but they did one of the things I hate the most, where you've done a thing that doesn't work, and rather than make it work, you make an in, like an in-universe joke about how, we're doing that, that's so obvious and trite, and then you don't actually undercut it at all, you just lampshade it, like, mm-hmm. see, I know, it's like, well, then if you know, why didn't you write a different script? Exactly. So, previously, there was a series called formerly known as the Justice League, which was a series that won the Eisner, and it was a limited series. Uh, Maxwell Lord, who's a part-time supervillain, and at the time of this comic, he's a semi-secret cyborg. He wanted to take (laughs) another crack at having a superhero team for hire. So with his robot associate Elrond, who's a really weird reference to Elrond Hubbard, uh, he put... He put together the cheapest team of people who he could get in contact with inside of a strip mall, and he called the team Super Buddies. Because he can't do really super friends, because that's too on the nose. 
And so the team consisted of the Dibneys, Sue and Ralph, Ralph Dibney being the elongated man who's pretty much plastic man, except he's also a really good detective. Uh, Booster Gold and Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle, who were mainstays of the former like Justice League JLA or JLI and JLE runs. Like, did you ever read the Justice League International, Justice League Europe stuff? Uh-uh, I don't think so, no. We covered one of the arcs that had really weird Marvel character analogs in it mm-hmm. a while back. I'll link to that in the notes. Like, that one, only some of the stuff landed, and they hit back on a lot of that stuff really hard. Uh, another member is Fire, uh, whose first name is Beatrice who had been running a porn site, except it wasn't actually a porn site, because, like, her power sets her on green fire, but because it's a comic, they can't show actual nudity. Mm -hmm. So the joke was everyone subscribing to the site thought she was actually nude, but she wasn't. Okay, sure. By the way, because her Mm -hmm. fire is green, and I, like... Every other character that's in this, like, through other, what limited other DC stuff I've done, I've encountered before. i not encountered her. And so, like, because she was green, when they started referring to someone as fire, I thought that was someone else. Because I'm like, no, this clearly looks like some sort of toxic slime monster situation. Like, it's not even flame-shaped. It's just sort of bubbly and weird. Yeah. Uh... There was also Captain Adam who joined and Mary Marvel since her, I forget if they're actually like brother and sister, uh, Captain Marvel didn't want to join the team again. And so they fought some street punks who were actually geniuses and the neighborhood association who didn't want them coming in because it would cause insurance premiums and all sorts of bad stuff. And then the team went even more downhill with Mary Marvel and other members of the team being captured. Uh, She was brainwashed into almost killing both Adam and Fire because of the villainous roulette. And then when they got out, they fought Manga Khan, who was the former boss of Elrond, who wanted to get him back. And this escalated into a near intergalactic war until the actual Justice League stepped in. Captain Adam was left in critical condition. And it set up some of the recurring jokes. Like, there's a recurring bit where it's, is Sue Dibney pregnant? Is she not? Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll get what happened afterwards, but, like, the context makes this all so much worse because you get the feeling that the people behind it knew what was coming up. Yeah. Actually, I, I the... want to talk about these issues in the context of Identity yeah. Crisis because I assume that's what you yeah, think it was coming was... up. Oh, yeah, no, there's even more, like, just really nasty stuff. Yeah. And so the team then reappeared in JLA Classified Number 4, which followed the Grant Morrison arc that introduced the Ultramarine Corps, which is one of those weird things that makes the Seven Soldiers of Victory stuff make a lot more sense, in case you're ever going to read that, because it's really good, unlike these comics. So Mary Marvel moved in with Fire, which is supposed to be this big joke, because Mary is, like, ridiculously innocent and pure and fire had been running the fake porn site which keeps getting brought up uh booster gold had married a woman in her 60s for her money and she pretty much uh i'm trying to figure out what the right term would be but she pretty much owns his ass okay at this time 
he gets a bunch of shit for it from everyone. Uh, there's the jokes about Sue being pregnant, which she was not actually at this time. And so when we start, the Super Buddies recently got out of hell where Booster Gold had accidentally sent himself, Beetle, Fire, and Mary Marvel when he was pretending to be a supervillain while fooling around with one of Dr. Fate's artifacts. While in hell, they are forced to work in a hellish version of Big Billy Burger. Power Girl and Guy Gardner ended up coming in after them, where they ran into Ice, who was Fire's old partner, with a lot of subtext to the term partner. Mm-hmm. And Ice was also the only woman who Guy had ever loved. The demons were disgusted by all these emotions and ended up letting them go. But they had the whole Orpheus premise where if they looked back as they were leaving hell, she would go on to the correct afterlife since Ice was not actually supposed to be sent to hell, but Fire was. And as they were heading out, Fire took a look back and Ice disappeared into another afterlife. So we're starting off in JLA Classified 8-9, through 9, which is written by... Keith Giffen with J.M.D. Mateus on the writing, Kevin McGuire and Joe Rubenstein on the art, Bob Lapin on the letters, and David Barron on the colors. And, like, as the team is leaving, uh, it's the Super Buddies plus Power Girl and Guy Gardner, because Max and Sue Dibney are back trying to figure out how to free them from hell. They run into a giant version of Gnort. And do you know Nort from comics, or comic experience? No, I know they mention in the thing that he's a lantern. Yeah, he's a green lantern. He's also a dog person, and normally he's not a giant city-destroying monster. He's just, like, the shittiest green lantern. (laughs) Well, the worst in terms of abilities and being good. He was, like, a jokey background character, and then as... Green Lantern got more and more serious, even though it was introducing, like, this ring is powered by love. This ring is powered by greed. Like, it was like, oh, uh, no, we're going to have to make him gritty. We're going to have to make him lose his family and his planet and stuff. Oh, God. But, yeah, at this point, you know, he was still happy-go-lucky, and he's well-known for being an idiot. So they believe that they'd gotten back home, and they're trying to figure out how to deal with Nort. And also, on the escape from hell, Blue Beetle ended up getting amnesia, since he was knocked on the head. And because he's forgotten how impossible it is to get things done, he tries to organize the team before giving up really quickly. Yeah. It's... Oh, it's weird how, like, densely these pages are packed with dialogue and just talking heads. Well, yeah, and it's like, for as much as there is of dialogue, what's crazy to me is, like, you look and it's like, oh, there's a lot of words there. And then you finish the page, you're like, oh, that was really thin. Like, it's a lot of words that don't really say anything. And then, like, several times, way more times than it worked, the panel layout was just, like, two rows like two panels per row eight panel grid and like there are environments Mm -hmm. where that works i mean heck i have because i do in the past i'm kind of on a hiatus i've done like autobio comics and like a lot of my stuff will be either a six panel grid or like one of the rows might have like a across the page panel but it's 
a different thing that I'm doing in a superhero comic, and especially when the dialogue wasn't popping off anyway, it just felt really sort of pace-killing. Because mm-hmm. nothing that was there was like, let's let's move forward and see where this goes from here. I'm just, instead, I'm just like, oh, okay. I see where you're going for sort of a, like, edgy yet madcap sort of vibe. Okay. It's it's not working, but I, I it, see what you were trying to do there. Out of, like, all the pages that they do where it's all just talking heads, maybe two or three out of what I feel like are 20 pages, they actually look good, but there it relies a lot more on the expressions. Like, the expression work is pretty good for some of the pages. Mm-hmm. But, like, the dialogue isn't selling in, so it's like you got good art, but you're covering it all up with speech bubbles. Yeah, and, like... And it's like not only that the dialogue wasn't selling it for me, and like I said, my DC context is limited to some of the like bigger hits. Like I have decent booster gold familiarity because I've read all of Fifty Two, um, mm-hmm. and whichever Crisis one has like either like I think has like a Marvel kid punch a hole through a dude. Um, so I, I don't know if it's Infinite Crisis or Crisis on Infinite Earths because those names are too similar and I would judge, but I read a lot of Marvel and they're just like, it's Secret Wars again though. So I can't really like glass houses right now. Um, but like none of the characters still seem to have any particular voice. Like they're all just sort of shitty. Oh yeah. They're terrible. And like. And I noticed immediately, and then it only got worse from there, that, like, the way... There's a very gendered way that they're terrible to the women. Like, mm-hmm. Mary Marvel's a joke for not being sexual, but everyone else is a joke for being sexual. And I won't jump to Sue, because we haven't gotten there yet. Um, but, yeah, yeah, just, like, from the jump, I was like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of those. This is going to be one of those weirdly sexist ones. And then you have, like... A supervillain who, by the way, maybe 20 page later before I understood who she was supposed to be, um, who shows up in like a tiny outfit and it felt like for no reason other than to go, hey, hey, you out there in Readerland, you like boobs, right? Got some boobs for you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we're going to have a lot more to uh, pierce into this, <laughs> which I'm glad that you and I read this instead of Devin. I think Devin might be a bit more forgiving of some of the stuff <laughs> but uh so guy flies up to try and fight the giant nord and he ends up getting punched by a weirdly sexualized like leather outfit version of barry marvel who has like the lightning bolt as a boob window instead yeah who goes by mistress mary and it's like it's not even like BDSM or like bondage stuff. It's just like, oh, she's wearing all black, yeah. I guess. They have like a two, like a one dialogue bubble worth like pro dom sort of a, like attempt at sounding like a pro dom, but mostly it was just like, you just wanted an excuse to be like, hey, you know the one who we make fun of because she doesn't like have sex and doesn't like know much about sex stuff? What if, like, well, the opposite? Like, well, she is, like, 16. Yeah. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, so Mary... So the good Mary Marvel tries to fight her uh, doppelganger. She gets knocked back. Power Girl punches uh, Mistress Mary into Nord. And then she turns around to face a 
gay-esque Captain Marvel, like very stereotypical gay. And this is where in my notes I said, I'm sorry I had you read yeah. this Yeah, yeah, I just got to that in the notes. But yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's... Yeah, that was, like, the moment, because initially, like, for the first few pages, I'm, like, maybe I'm, like, coming into this in a weird way, because, like, at first I couldn't put my finger on what felt so effing sexist, but the point that you're, like, and we're gonna have, like, an also needlessly condescending, like, gay stereotype and treat that as if Mm -hmm. it is in and of itself a joke, I'm, like, no, no, I was right, you're coming, you're doing some bad things here. It's 2004 in comics. Women weren't reading comics back then, Bree. <laughs> there were no gay people reading or writing comics. None of it us existed till like 2015, and then we just started causing problems. Everything was so yeah, fun you, for everyone till then. You guys saw that Iron Man 2, and it's like, oh, Pepper Pot has things to do in this movie. I guess we can all start reading comics. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, so... Ralph, Fire, Beetle, and Booster go into what is supposed to be their headquarters, but instead it's a strip club called the Power Posse, where Oberon, who had been a member of the original Justice League, is like the doorman, and Ralph finds out that in this universe, Sue Dibney is a stripper. Oberon ends up recognizing Fire and sends him in for free, and they find out that Max Lord is the owner, Booster Gold is sort of the douche bro bartender, uh, Element Man is the bouncer, and Sue is a dancer who now has Ralph crying at her feet because he misses his actual wife so much. Yeah. Which... That was one of the other... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna... And, like, that... And at that point, too, because when they first head in, they're still not... They haven't completely locked into the we're in a, like, parallel universe thing. So, because at first he's just like, wait, mm-hmm. Sue? Why would Sue be in there? What? But, like, the whole strip club thing was so jacked up because it's, like... There's nothing wrong with actual strip clubs, but there's no purpose to it being one other than a justification to show more boob and for a whole mm-hmm. bunch of either hand-wringing it, comments or jokes about how horrific it is that Sue could be, she's a dancer? Oh no, oh no! And of course she's much less intelligent in this universe as well, mm-hmm. as a result. Yeah, it's... It is rough. And this is when our team realizes that they're in a parallel universe, and then this universe's version of Ice comes out, and was this the random, pretty much nude lady that you're talking about? Yeah, where it's like, oh, okay, that... There, but by half an inch of Marabou, go us not seeing her nipples. Like, just by that much. Uh, comics are for kids, Bree. They can't show nipples. They can just show everything around them. And so, yeah, this shocks fire because she had just lost her best friend in hell. Evil Booster ends up punching fire in the face. Or wait, no. Evil Booster punches ice in the face for taking so long in the bathroom. This sets fire off. So Element, so Element Man starts the fighting. And Max is upset because Ice was supposed to have killed Fire, so then Ice prepares to finish the job, even though she already killed Fire in her own universe. Meanwhile, Sue Dibney, Maxwell Lord, and L. Ron are trying to figure out how to get the team back. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention, uh, MagnaCon also has another robot whose name is J-Lo. 
what? What? No. Mm. Yeah. Nah, sure. It's, that's a choice. Weird. That's a choice someone yeah. made. It was the early 2000s. Yeah, but when your whole joke is, hey, hey, you you know that thing that you've heard of? <laughs> Me too, right? Then you don't actually have a joke. Mm-hmm. So, back outside, Mary Marvel, Guy Gardner, and Power Girl are in North's hair. When the evil Marvels show back up, Guy knocks Mistress Mary into North's scalp, where she is then presumably eaten after Nort picks her out of his hair and eats her. Meanwhile, Booster has been trying to protect Fire using his shield powers, which gets Element Man to attack them, so Fire, Booster, and Beetle all end up under his protecting shield, while Evil Max is threatening to kill Ralph, and the team pretends not to care about him. Evil Max then realizes that they are from a parallel world, but he isn't really sure if Ralph is from their universe or not, and he still wants to kill them. Luckily, while they're all under the shield, Beetle got his head knocked again, so his memories are back and he no longer has amnesia. So the three of them end up knocking out Element Man and Ice and Max with some help from Ralph. Fire has to confront that she banished her best friend to hell, so then Beetle ends up helping her to deal... So Beetle helps her deal with her grief, and that's when they remember that they need to get back home. Meanwhile, Mary, Guy, and Power Girl are watching as Nord continues the reign of destruction, because they've pretty much just given up with that, as Guy helps to helps Mary confront that she does have, like, that evil side that she is not even close to being, and yeah, it's it's weird. It's then weird. back to the main universe, Dr. Fate shows up with a deus ex machina, brings everyone back, and bans them all from the Justice Society mansion. Ralph and Sue decide that they actually want to have a kid. Fire agrees to go on a date with a somewhat more mature Booster Gold, and the team jokes that they don't really want Booster Gold around, and that's the end of the series. Yeah. That was the... Okay, so there's a lot of things that happen in there that are just, like, unsupported and random, but um, when Fire asks out Booster, like... Because, okay, so I doubled back. I read 8 and 9, then I doubled back and read 7, the one where they, like, actually go through hell, and so, like, her relationship mm -hmm. with Ice is specifically, like, given a name, and it's, like, them as best friends, because everything about 7, about 8 and 9 read, like, that was her girlfriend that she, like, loved dearly oh, yeah. and lost, and then so suddenly, two seconds after, she's like, you're right, maybe she isn't in hell, maybe that wasn't really hell, and she's fine. Anyway, guy that I've been calling a douche for two episodes... Why don't we go get dinner sometime? Oh, that was the other thing, too, that was, like, where I was like, okay, yeah, this is super sexist, is before they go into the strip club, when what makes not Oberon real, like, spot fire, or something, like, right around that point, is Booster makes a really, really crappy, offhand, like, joke comment about um, fire accidentally condemning ice to hell, and then... Fire's crazy for wanting to fight him. It's like, n no, no, that was a hateful thing to say, and this happened like mm -hmm. 20 minutes ago. So it's super hateful. 
why is she the bad, like, the ridiculous... Because it's not just Booster who's like, she's a lunatic. And Beetle's like, oh, she's a lunatic. And Oberon's like, she's a lunatic. Oh, but I know that lunatic. Come in here. There's going to be trouble if you come in here. It'll be funny for me. And I'm like, no, she's super reasonable. Someone she cared about is dead and damned. That's kind of a pretty... Like, jokes about that are... That's pretty normal for that to make you pissed. Yeah. Especially when she definitely feels responsible for what happened. And so to be offhand about it, and really, like I said, like, I didn't read Seven initially. I doubled back and read it. And so it's like, oh, okay, so at that point, this happened literally, like, 20 minutes ago. Like, they fall Mm -hmm. out of hell and into this, and we've made one location change since. Like, down the block, basically. Like... That's an objectively, like, like, no concern for anyone's humanity level shitty thing to say to a person. And it's like, oh, crazy women, right? And their emotions. At least she's got them tits, though. And I was just like, okay, yeah, no, I was right. This is going to get worse, isn't it? Oh, yep, yep, yep. And not even before it gets better. It's just going to keep getting worse. And then they just drop stuff. They're like, you have amnesia. What a cliche. Let's not subvert it in any way. I'll just keep calling it a cliche. Parallel universe. That was old when Star Trek did it in the 60s. We're not doing anything different with it, though. Oh, and then let's just end this now. I I ran out of scenes for this, and I didn't really come up with an exit strategy. So um, meanwhile, Dr. Fate was fixing it, and then suddenly they're just home. Done. Pretty much. They're at least in the first part uh sue dibney uh, in like the original series mm-hmm. sue dibney was able to give a lot more because they were joking about how attractive everyone was on a scale of one to ten mm-hmm. and her recurring part was oh ralph you're only a four <laughs> it... and so ralph was just the sad sack who everyone was beating up on which is sad because like yeah. sue and ralph people who are like really into dc comics like they miss that couple. Yeah, they're OG. And, like, they've been around yeah. since, what, like, the 40s? Mm-hmm. Like, they, yeah, since, like, basically the beginning of Flash. Like, the, of, like, current, like, red costume, not current, but, you know, like, red costume Flash, not, um, wing helmet Flash. Okay. All right, I'm sorry. Apparently this is one of those days where my Wi-Fi is just hateful, maybe? And, my, like... My Wi-Fi has been acting weird as well, so... Yeah, so it's, like, I'm very intentionally not running anything other than this on it but like sometimes i love my house i love my house but sometimes the downshot of living in an old neighborhood is that um yeah your signal isn't always that great like they laid in some stuff but and then they're like that's good enough um Plus, I have the lowest level internet because money is a finite thing and um i need it for food yeah, life is frustrating. Yeah. So, like, within a year of this coming out, uh, one of the recurring jokes, I forget if I mentioned or not, was Booster, was uh, Blue Beetle kept mentioning that he had a heart condition. Yeah. And he died, not of the heart condition, but because of the evil Omac, uh, who then made it look like his heart condition, killed him. Okay. Uh, Mary Marvel... Mary Marvel turned sort of evil and was working with uh, Black Adam, so she wore a costume that was similar but not as sexist. Mm -hmm. And then Identity Crisis happened where Sue lost the baby. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah. other horrible, horrible thing. Like, and I won't go into it too much because it's not the subject of this. And also, once I start on certain types of rants, they go on a while. But, like, the entire central theme of identity crisis seems to largely be <laughs> women. <laughs> Freaking crazy, right? Like, it's ridiculous. Like, the amount of things that have happened toward that end, like, the things that they managed to do to Sue, even over the course of the first ten pages, considering she's dead when the comic starts, staggeringly bad. And then it just, like, it goes, yeah, no, we're not going to get better about our gender stuff. Don't worry. We have we have room to disrespect the living superhero women, too. It's... Someone recommended it to me specifically as, like, I was, like, I came into a shop on my birthday, and I'm like, it's my birthday. Want to buy something. Kind of fun, but I want to try some DC stuff. What do you recommend? They recommended that. I came in the next week, and I was like, you owe me a fucking apology. On my birthday, you have me read this? On my birthday? The day I celebrate myself? This is what you do to me? What have I, what have I done to deserve this? I was displeased. But yeah, so that was bad, bad, bad what they needlessly did to Sue and what they, like I said, what they did to all of these characters, they either had no voice or had no voice and got needlessly disrespected. I'm, I'm glad comics have gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> but now you get a chance to strike back against it in a segment that only, I think three other people have, uh, been able to guest contribute onto. It is Trials of the Multiverse. Ooh. So are you ready? Yeah. So our current list has 359 universes on it. And I'm figuring we're going to want to start very low. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you guys have read some horrifying garbage, we can just go on and move toward the bottom of the list right now. Okay. I will start 50... From the bottom, so 309. Oh, I, I, I'd forgotten about this universe. It is, what if I, me, Luke, was the Red Skull? Well, that at least sounds interesting. Yeah. I mean... And, yeah, that's the thing. Like, the bottom of the list is made up of jokes that really don't work, and then, like, stuff that was not actually good. Yeah. But see, that's the thing, is this is both. So, it's going lower. Yeah. So, okay, um... So there was, uh... I'm trying to find one that's weirdly comparable to it, to, uh, Steal a Phrase. Did you ever read the Mutant X series? Remind me which one that is. That's the one where Havoc is put into the body of an alternate universe Havoc. Oh. And, uh, like... I think I've read, like, a tiny bit of it, but forever ago. Okay. Did you read Age of Ultron? A little bit. God, that was bad. That was a mess. Yeah, that's... That's, uh... That's pretty low down there. Luckily, some of the stuff is, uh... Pretty hit or miss. Uh, did he get to the part where there was the alternate universe where, uh, like, Morgana Le Fay had won the Age of Ultron? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's our 
340. I, I'm figuring this I, has actual issues against it. Yeah. I, was like, I feel like I feel like this is still worse because it's like it it doesn't even tie into any larger stories. So Age of Ultron stuff was really obnoxious, especially since like at the time I wasn't reading the main event, but I was reading Marvel mm-hmm. books and I didn't realize until I paid money for them that the tie-in issues that were still numbered within the regular numbering would have nothing to do with the book I was currently reading. And Nothing, no bearing on what happened in it the next month. And so I felt a little like I had like 20 bucks stolen out of my wallet after I bought those. Um, but like, at least in terms of the event, they technically did serve a larger purpose, which is you have these awful like garbage futures that are designed to prove like there's bad things that can happen if this doesn't go right. Here is the worst th- things that can happen. Yeah. And like here, it's just like. No, like this doesn't serve any, like it doesn't tell anyone anything about themselves. No one learns anything important, does anything important. And then it's a bad joke to boot. So I feel like this is worse. Like, cause it didn't have like even a larger narrative purpose it failed at. What if the watcher were a stand up comedian? <laughs> I haven't read that, but at least the concept makes me laugh. Cause that's so dumb. It's so dumb. So it, 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 it's better. Yeah, no, some of the stuff that we have down here is pretty much the premise sums it all up. Like, under that is, what if Deadpool hosted Serial, the podcast? <laughs> that... I can't decide you, if you, that you, sounds more needless you, than you, this or not. But it made you laugh. Yeah, it made me this laugh, and I feel like laugh. with Deadpool, you get a lot more leeway if you can do it at least decently funny, funnily, to do something yeah. where it's like, hey, you know that thing that you're currently aware of? Well, have I got 22 pages for you. Well, that was, I believe, a fan submission when we were just trying to come up with alternate universe Deadpools when we did the uh, Deadpool Killogy. Nice. Uh, right under that is Whom Gods Destroy? That has Superman becoming a Nazi rapist centaur. It was a Chris Claremont comic. Oh, Chris. I love you so much. It was a 90s Chris Claremont comic. I guess everyone has their rough years, man. I think on concept, I think I have to put this ahead of that because I'm also really, I'm more broadly tired of using things that like I just don't think that like for one taking like the super good hero and we're going to make them all like dark and evil to prove some sort of story point is a thing but also I just feel like hey for like narrative that isn't about that can we just like can you stop using Nazis as a shorthand narrative tool because like you understand that that's like there's people that that's hurtful to, right? Like, can we not? Oh yeah. So well, I think this has to um, be better than that well, this, for not being that horrible. Well, it was different because this was the Nazis ended up not losing in World War Two, but also not winning, and they were able to create a sort of uh, like, hey, you don't uh, use Superman outside of your country, and we aren't going to nuke you. And also Lois and uh, Lana were in a subtextual lesbian relationship. But it's also hella weird and also Superman gets turned into a teenage girl towards the end. 
That sounds like way too many things. Oh, no, it is way too many things. Yeah, with the only thing that I will say being, if we're talking 90s, when, like, for big two stuff, any non-hetero relationship was by, like, requirement subtextual, Chris Claremont did some of the better subtextual (laughs) queer relationships where it's like, it's like, it's like, and as opposed to things where it's like they're like air quotes, sort of like lesbians, it's said it's like subtext is what goes in the air quotes, where it's like, so on this panel, like Mystique and Destiny are going to hug and they're going to talk for eight pages about how much they mean to each other. And then we're going to like, they're going to talk about raising a child together. And then like in gray, we're going to write um as friends and then we're going to move on. <laughs> so like... That doesn't, but everything else about that just sounds like that's too many fucking things for one comic, my dude. Well, right under that is uh, Terry Austin's run on Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, which is a hot trash fire. <laughs> and then, and then right under that is a universe where Gwen Stacy survived the House of M, but when she was trying to save, oh, I listened um, to that episode. That was that sounded like a shit show. Yeah, that yeah. was so many. Oh God, I feel like that. From what you guys talked about, I feel like that sounds worse than this one because that had so much like poorly executed melodrama and weirdly like relationships are inherently bad. Sort of like everyone hates each other because love, sort of stuff. That it just sounds like too much of a mess. For me to, and I have House of M resentment anyway. So I feel like that sounds worse than this. Well, and that's not even that universe. This universe is the joke one where Gwen Stacy gets on Facebook. And also the joke doesn't make sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember you guys talking so, about that one in the episode too. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You're one of our few co-hosts who have. <laughs> yeah, because right under that is the... Uh, one where it's, what if everyone liked a different sports team instead? Which was just even worse. <laughs> so, I think putting it right under Terry Austin's Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane and right above the Gwen Stacy Facebook is probably a good place for it. I feel good about that, especially since the Facebook thing is another, like, <laughs> that's what we get for leaving it to girls, right? Teenagers, you know, they like the internet. Well, and that was written a lot more recently, so... <laughs> so it, they it, should it know should better. Be... Mm-hmm. So, Earth, question mark. Power. Posse. And, uh, yeah, hopefully next week we'll figure out where Justice Rider goes on. Devin's not a fan of it because he wants things to have been different. And I'm like, no, that's not really a... Well, he wants additional things in it and i may you gotta judge it for what's actually in it yeah so uh we'll figure out where that goes um but until then we will start the wrap-up multiversal q is a weekly podcast you can find more out about us and see image galleries at multiversalq.com we also have imsy facebook twitter tumblr uh stitcher libsyn and all those other places, if you're looking for us on a social media and you can't find us, let us know at, at MultiversalQ on the Twitter. You can find me 
online at at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G on the Twitter. You can find my book, Heroes International, I believe when this one comes out, I'll be heading to New York Comic Con soon. And Bree, where can people find you? Um, I can be found on Twitter as at oh no Bree. That's Bree spelled B-R-I. Um, uh, my website is com, And also I am going to be tabling at Comic Con in October. Uh, October 22nd. It's in Dearborn, Michigan. Yes. And I went last year and it was lovely. Um, so I'll be there with the uh, comic, the All Ages comic that I write for. Uh, and yeah, you can find me on Twitter saying and doing all kinds of things day to day. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for coming on. You can find the betrayer Devin at <laughs> @fredofet. That's F-R-E-D-D-O-F-E-T-T. And, um, yeah, until next time. This one's for Hank!